Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. of Connected. Um, I am really excited about my guest today. We're actually meeting for the first time um, on this Zoom recording. And um, it excites me because as I read through some questions that I put out to my podcast guests, I realized we have a lot to talk about and I'm a little worried that an hour is not going to be enough. (laughs) Um, My guest today is Christina Carlson. So welcome, Christina. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am. Um, I am curious. Um, first off, how did you find me? Um, I was going down a podcast rabbit hole, and uh, all my favorite podcasts. And I would. I was looking for new ones to listen to, and I went to the bottom, and it would say, "Listen to this" or a similar podcast to this. And then I found yours, and was reading the description, and really, you know funnily enough, connected to what you were saying. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, um, I, I we have a lot to dive into because we have some similar, um, I guess, occupations slash hobbies. I know that sometimes for um, uh, for some of us, our, um, our occupation is also just something that we absolutely love doing. So, um, so I really, I want to dive into all of that, but I would love for you um, to share, um, a little bit about yourself. So Christina, who are you? (laughs) Thank you for asking. (laughs) I love to talk about myself. Um, I am a queer (laughs) intuition and embodiment coach. Uh, I work with women and non-binary folk who have, are moving beyond deconstructing their life, religion, and relationship and into rebuilding life, uh, with self-knowledge, deep connection, and peace. I am a beautiful You Coaching Academy graduate, and uh, I consider myself a sensual feeler and human enthusiast. Oh, wow. There is so much packed in there. 
My goodness. Well, I okay. So for starters, uh, I'm a beautiful you graduate as well, Amazing. and um, and we also share um, a life coach, uh, Madison, Mor- Madison Morgan, and. Um, so when I was reading that uh, this was somebody that was an important person in your life, I'm like, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I shared her with the world on my podcast because she was such a critical component to my understanding, um, my connection with myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, yeah, so those are two spaces where we already, without knowing each other, have um, uh, we could probably talk for hours just on those two topics. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, um, so I am. I'm curious. There was a lot of descriptions in there, and um, I know that you don't just land on those self descriptions um, by oh, I like this and I like that. And there are things that you, the things that you mentioned are. Um, I would assume, and you can correct me if I'm assuming wrong. Um, you come to uh, through struggle. You come through um, through a deep um, introspection of yourself and uh, possibly even doing really difficult life work mm. to say these are the things that describe who I am now. Mm. Do you want to sh- – am I off base no, or does that sound right? That is very accurate. Um, I am a very deep thinker and so – I, I talk I talk a lot, so I will say things, but if I'm describing myself, it's it's with a lot of um it's with a lot of thought. Um I when I think about like now in my own spirituality, when I think about like me coming to this planet and deciding to be in this space, I believe it was because I I saw all the struggle I would go through and I knew that I could handle it and that it would be worth going through to gain whatever wisdom or medicine that I would have on the other side. How do you come to that kind of knowing? That's a beautiful, that, that, yeah. It, it comes with, um, I, I can I can see you right now. Mm-hmm. And so I see you say that with confidence. So how do you come to that kind of knowing? Um, honestly, like, so without like, you know, jumping right in, uh, which, you know, we're just going to, I Or guess. you can, whatever. <laughs> Um, I, I like to describe my, my journey and my, my spiritual journey, I guess it has been one of trying to, to find a seat. I want, I once was in a yoga class and got the description that asana means seat. So every position that you work on is like for the purpose of getting to the seat of meditation which um, is like for the seat of being in the present moment and like finding your space here now. And for me, that's been my entire journey is like everything that I've done through like even my religious experience and then moving out of that and being in an atheist place for a little bit and then moving into a spirituality, all of it, even this, all the self-help work I did until I was like, wow, that doesn't really like work for me has kind of, has kind of been for the purpose of really just like finding what it means to be connected to my body and in this present moment. Mm. So when I think about myself making this journey to choose to go through what I have, that and to get to where I am now has has come through deep like transcendental and like hypnotic meditation of like 
realizing that belief is something that is meant to serve me. Stories are something that is meant to serve me and I get to choose those for myself. And Mm -hmm. this one has been something that I just felt deeply connected to and resonated with. So I claim it for myself as long as it will, as long as it is serving me to do so and not causing harm. Wow. Okay. I, (laughs) gosh, I have about like 10 thoughts out of that. Um, So I'd like to go back because I think this question will lead us um, to the other <laughs> the other thoughts you sure. brought up for me. Um, but you you mentioned um, a religion or a religious experience that you had moved away from. Can you talk about that a little bit so that we get a full picture of like what this tra- uh, transformative um, space is for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was raised deeply evangelical Christian. Excuse me. Um, so for for my own personal journey, like our family um, went and visited to and was a part of a lot of different churches, but all deeply evangelical. So we started out in a Messianic Jewish church. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with uh, the Christian religion and denominations, mm-hmm. but we were a part of a lot of like sub-Christian groups, all of them um, very, very controlling, but like very diverse in within that small realm. So um, interestingly enough, I, I was taught that there was one, one right way to do spirituality and one right way to view the world and one right way to observe yourself and divine. So there's a very right and wrong. Um, but one thing that I don't think was my family's intention or the church's intention was that because we visited so many different churches and were a part of so many different denominations, I, I gained this ability to to see the core of something with all of the stuff on the edges sort of being like up for debate and up for like questioning. And so that kind of gave me this view, which later when I came back to spirituality, I was like, oh, there are some fundamental elements here that are part of being human and part of the human experience and a part of spirituality and the cosmos, et cetera that are a through line in all of this, you know? And so I don't think that was the intention, but anyway, um, that was the, that was the religious experience that I had. Um, I mean, that wasn't the experience, but that was the group that I was a part of. And Mm -hmm. that is kind of what I took when I left um, in my twenties. We can, I can talk about that too, if you want. (laughs) Well, I'm absolutely connecting with you on this. Um, No pun intended, Um, (laughs) but um, because that's my background as well. Okay. And um, in fact, my husband and I have started a um, an online um, group called Rethink. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at um, much of the deconstruction community, but it, I don't ever think it's just in religion or in that faith space, but mm-hmm. where um, we've, we're building community and courses and coaching around um, that experience of moving from one like birthed worldview, how you navigate the entire world, how you understand humanity, how you understand relationships, how you understand how you're positioned in the world and this life. Um, And as you move into new worldviews, what is that process and experience like? Mm. Um, So this is a conversation, another one that we could sit and talk (laughs) about. We could probably have a series of podcasts I can see right now. Yes. but um, so this was an this was something that 
was your family culture, mm-hmm. was your um, your worldview. It's how you navigated the world. So what happens at 20 when that starts to shift for you? Were you just so inquisitive that one question led to the next? <laughs> you know what? No. Um, I, I am a curious person by nature, but my, my deepest concern has always been connection. So mm. I did not question this until it threatened my connections. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, um, my, my whole entire community believed this one thing. And my belonging as a child was contingent on me believing these things and staying Mm -hmm. within this framework, behaving this certain way. So I did that without really like a whole ton of thought. As long as people liked me, I felt safe. I was with my people. I really didn't question this at all. I was, I was pretty happy with it. I mean, there were some things that didn't jive, which I is a whole nother tangent, which is the fact that I connected (laughs) with nature and spirituality in a different way when I was little. So there was conflicts along the way, but like on the whole, I was just like, this is like, this is how it is. And um, so probably the first, the first threat to that was I was in a a Bible college in my early twenties that, that actually turned into like, started acting like a cult and um, doing like cult like behaviors, like public shaming. And Mm. um, that started to affect people that I was close with. And that was when I first started questioning it because they were using, they were using the Bible that I was taught was inerrant to do these things. And they weren't wrong. They were, they were following the Bible and it was accurate and they were doing harm. So for me, it was like, wait, you're hurting my ability to feel safe because you're hurting the people that I'm connecting with. So it was like that kind of break was like, but like, I'm okay with like shaming myself or I was at the time, you know, that was my way of life. But it started like, I have one, one planet at the very bottom in Leo, which I'm told is like a fierce, like protective energy for people that I love. And it was kind of that, that started this, I don't know, like something isn't quite right. That along, Mm. along with, um, me allowing myself to dance for the first time around that time. And now I really understand this Madison connection. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, those, those two things in combination happened uh, when I was living in Hawaii in this cult. And um, I di- I wasn't aware of the impact of either of those things until several years later, but uh, I, Looking back, I can tell that that's kind of when things started to be like, wait a minute, something isn't cohesive yeah. in the world for like me being able to connect and love people the way I feel is right, right, or expansive enough. Yeah. Um. So I have a I have a question for you, and if you yeah. don't want to divulge, we don't have to even air this, but. Um, but I am curious because I'm seeing some crossovers here and some language that I'm very familiar with. Um, my husband and I met in Hawaii Oh, in what we would call a cult. And <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay. Go on. So uh, it was through an organization called Youth with a Mission. YWAM. You were in YWAM. 
Yeah. Okay. We what island? Uh, we were in Maui. Oh, okay. Um, when we met, and um, but that was a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, things are very different over there now. Um, but it was. Um, I came from a very conservative um, uh, sector of evangelical Christianity, and my husband came from a very um, Pentecostal, um, and so uh, the merging of our two lives was quite interesting, and yeah. it started these questionings of like, you know, we had two very different worldviews, yet we understood the same Bible, yeah. and um, but that that particular experience in that organization was um, extremely toxic, um, yeah. hurtful, very damaging, mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm I'm hearing that same uh, story story not in that it's false, but the same storyline mm-hmm. that how can something that I believe to or I understand to be truthful and and right yet hurt people yeah. at the same time. Um, for, for me, humanity and justice are very, very important. Um, and when I was seeing those things, um, you know, people, uh, people hurt, myself hurt, although I think I didn't recognize my own hurt yeah. as quickly as I recognized other people's hurt in that sure. space. But, but anyway, I was, I was wondering how many paths we have crossed. <laughs> In there when you started talking about this, so yeah. Um, well, I was I was in Calvary Chapel. I was not affiliated with Calvary Chapel until I found them for Bible College. So mm. for me, it was um, I just wanted to travel, and I googled Bible College. So I ended up in Calvary Chapel gotcha. via that course. Um, but, okay, and I, I will say, like, I don't know what this community is up to now. Like when I tell my story, and like I'm like, it was a cult, like. It was. I have no idea what they're no doing idea. now. Like, I, right. I don't keep up. I don't care. Like, you know, that's what it was, exactly. et cetera. But um, they, we, I, I do remember having some interactions with YWAM on our island because we were in Kauai. Um, okay. But... I, we were, we were told that YWAM was really liberal because, because, because they didn't read their Bibles enough. So there was, I, there was, I can understand that. Okay. I can understand that. Yeah. Because this isn't, this is a discussion that my husband and I often had. Okay. And he felt like Calvary was very conservative. I came from more of a John MacArthur type background, charismatic parents. chaos. Yeah. And, um, and so I was going, you know, if we're going to talk about liberal, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. That's it. I think it's, I just think it's funny. Like, um, even in these conversations, having them with like, uh, other like conservative Christians, like the levels that we thought was like, I don't know. Yes. We, we all had this othering of everyone who mm-hmm. wasn't us, even though like all, like, when you look at the percentage of Christians in the U.S., it's not the majority. Right. And then you sub that down into all these, like, different groups, different, like, we all thought the other person was getting it wrong. Like, exactly. in, in some extreme way, we were, like, against our own people, which is, like, right. on the outside, it's just, like, really strange to look back on. It's like, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I remember having the thought, like, wow, I can't believe I found the right one, you know? <laughs> 
level oh, of yeah. ego is amazing. Well, I think I think there is this um, this deep human need in us to um, to have surety. Yeah, safety. Um, yeah, and so when we know what the rules are, then we know how to play. And when things aren't given to us in these um, small containers, um, for some of us, one, if we've only known it that way, or if we have had such an unsafe environment, these feel really good. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, but for someone, it sounds like like you who was emerging, um, the box was too small. Yeah. Much, much too small. And I think like, I think I kind of, and and I know everyone says this, like you go through something and then you're like a part of me always knew. And I, I, I do think that's true on some level because I think a lot of us live in denial of parts of ourselves when we aren't safe. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a part of me always knew that it, it was unsafe for me, um, but I didn't feel the sovereignty to know that I had a choice, even, even for like quite a few years after I could have, um, I think it took like a full, I was like almost eight years after graduating high school for me to even consider the, like that maybe I was like, not going to work in this, you know, like maybe Mm. something was like not quite fitting for me to even consider that it took quite a bit of space away from, and not even away from, but just like in some level of autonomy to know that I wouldn't die if I wasn't a part of this thing. Were there some critical things along that journey that you can point to that, that were those, those moments you needed those shifts yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I, I call myself an embodiment coach. Um, and embodiment is like kind of a word that's thrown around a lot, really like from what I understand, all it means is like to, to like show what's happening in, ter- <laughs> excuse me, to show what's happening internally. So like literally any expression you have is like an embodiment of something inside, mm. but like when I think of embodiment, I just think it's about connecting with my body and all that I am in this present moment. So like really fully expressing exactly who you are right now and further like moving in that to fully express the values that you hold at your core. So when, for me, I think when I was in Hawaii, I I did take a hula dance class. Hmm. Uh, it was, it was in the church and it was like to like worship music, which is a, is a mm-hmm. whole thing we could talk about forever as well. Um, <laughs> I, I'm familiar with it. And I, it was often practiced in YWAM in really? Maui. So, yeah. Oh, God, that's, yeah. Oh, kind <laughs> you know, like, look back and it's like, I did not know better. And mm-hmm. that should not have happened. Um, but for me, like, this was... I had always liked to dance when I was really little. Um, we did English country country dancing as a family with like a bunch of other homeschool families. Mm. And I loved it. Um, but when I got to like junior high and became aware of like purity culture and um, my own sexuality, even in the slightest degree, was just like, you are not to be sexual. And mm. like, I immediately like 
my whole pelvis and hips were just like, you don't move then. Like you you don't, that whole part of me froze. So for like the longest time. And then when I started doing hula, it was just like, you move your hips. Like you have to, that's, that's a part of this. So I just kind of like allowed myself for the first time to, to move in that way and to like, sort of like, you know, (laughs) since you're familiar, you know, the verse that's like, do not awaken love. What is it? Do not awaken love until it's time or whatever. Like basically like don't get sexual before you're married. Um, which, Oh yeah. Cause that's how we, in, how we make it work for us. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how we interpret something that was probably actually really beautiful. Yeah. Right. Um, so for that was, that was like kind of, um, you know, it's, it's funny. Like a lot of these things, they were like, don't, don't move your hips or it'll awaken your sexuality. And they were not wrong. Like, yes, yeah. it did. Um, so for me, it was like a little bit of like a mini repressed sexual awakening and also just like the ability to, to feel because like, um, from what I understand from like yogic tradition and a lot of other Eastern medicine traditions, you, you store a lot in your hips, um, pain, memories, uh, trauma, a lot of that is stored in your hips. So as soon as I started moving my hips, I started like crying a lot more and like being like, really, like I was in a emotionally disruptive uh, relationship at the time. And um, I, I felt like, it, I don't know, it like awoken a lot of deep sadness in me that came out in this relationship that I, I don't know, it was, uh, it was directly related, but a part of me awoken in that moment that hadn't been available to me mm. before. And so my boyfriend and I at the time were like a lot more sexually active with one another at the time in the midst of this. And because of the environment we were in, there was a lot of shame that we were putting on ourselves and yeah. that would have been put on us if we were found out. But I think just like for me having like some sort of awakening in that way was a necessary step for me to be like, I can feel good. I I didn't believe that it was okay yet, but I could tell my, I knew that I had the capacity to, and that made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what, um, we don't, I don't, I don't think I knew it at the time, but how much we actually suppress, um, a whole space of our being, um, through particularly through like purity culture or some of the, um, ideas and beliefs around sexuality um Mm -hmm. and what that a whole part of ourselves that we don't understand so it's really interesting that you are able to see that as a time of understanding yourself yeah it's weird to me it's weird to look back and be like this is this was like a beneficial part of my journey even though at the time it was like the most like disruptive thing to Mm -hmm. be like struggling quote unquote struggling sexually like you know it it was really hard for me to handle because I was being told that it was wrong but it was also a really beautiful part of myself that was just like you can't keep denying me I'm here and Mm. and like my body is like hey (laughs) which kind of leads me to the next thing um excuse me this uh, this boyfriend that I was with for a very long time, this relationship was uh, really unhealthy. And um, 
I, for all intents and purposes, we had been together a very long time. I loved him more than anyone. And um, we both fell for like a lot of reasons that we were like meant to be together. So we were actually together on and off for about seven years. Um, it was like a really long time, but like the last three years we were together solidly for about that time. And um, towards the end for like the last year that we were together, anytime we talked about our relationship, like getting married, which is, you know, we were pretty young, but that's very common in that culture. And um, I would feel physically ill. Like I, I, I felt like this intense nausea in my gut and like, it was like a feeling of, of dying. It was very strange looking back um, to have felt that in relationship and not have considered that to be a sign. But I, yeah. instead of like listening, it took me like, I think it was, it happened for like two years. I would just like go off and pray and be like, God, I need to hear your will. Like I need to hear your will. <laughs> Which like looking back, like I'm thinking like if there is a divine being, they're just like, honey, like I'm telling you. I've been talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, listen, (laughs) but like eventually it got so bad that um, we were looking at, I like pulled over to the side of the road. We were looking at a venue and I like walked up to like the wedding venue. and was just like looking around real quick, really quick. And I was like, I would rather die than feel this way. And I was like, that's not the way I should feel right now. Like, that is not how I should feel about this relationship. So, like, my body was just like, you're not, (laughs) you're not going to do this. And um, I think because of having awoken through dance and started to, like, very little pay attention to those things inside of myself, I got to that point where I was like, this just isn't okay. And I'm going to, like like literally like closed my eyes and just run away from this because I don't know any other way to get away from it. (laughs) So Mm. I broke up with him and um, moved here to Kansas city. And that was about eight, eight years ago, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, can, should I keep going? I've got two more. Yeah. Moments. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I am. I'm really intrigued. My next question would have been what, what opened up for you in this move? Yeah. Huge things because I, I had, I had not yet felt that kind of loss in my life. This was, this was a person who um, I had put a lot of my value in and my worth mm-hmm. in over the years and also had um you know, you know how it is when you experience a loss, you, you have all of these memories that you have with this one person. Mm -hmm. And, and especially if it's a codependent relationship, you don't consider those things to exist outside of this relationship. So like, since Mm -hmm. I didn't have a strong personal identity, when I lost him, even by choice, I, I lost, I felt like I had lost myself. Um, which I think was like a necessary rock bottom for me because after that, I, <laughs> I read <laughs> bless her heart, Beth Moore's book. Um, I believe it's called insecurity. It's a deeply, deeply Baptist book. Um, <laughs> but, but for me at the time, it was like the first time I'd heard of any psychology around insecurity mm. and having any kind of independence and, it was revolutionary for me at the time. So I, I joined, I mean, I joined a couple of different churches here in Kansas city. Um, 
And uh, I like, I had this like come to Jesus moment, like in an Acts 29 church where I felt like I'd found the real thing. I'd re, you know, quote unquote, again, mm-hmm. rededicated my life. And it was like, I felt, I felt like I had experienced grace for the first time. You know, it was, it was fascinating because it wasn't my, my body was like kind of in, in allowing this to happen. Like you need to go, you need to get this out of your system before we awaken you to something different. Because mm-hmm. at, the, at the same time, during this process, it wasn't long after that, that a very close friend came out to me as bisexual. And literally the moment they did, I was like, oh my God, that's a thing. That's me. And I I knew in that moment that that was me as well. But I had like, the only other experience that I'd had with anyone who was queer was this couple that I um, had had kids in our daycare. And that I was working at in Kansas City. And I was just like, I kept thinking to myself over and over while I'm rededicating my life to God and like doing all of this like deeply evangelical stuff. I was just like, but this piece doesn't make sense. Mm. I was like, but these are good parents. These are good people. There has to be room for this. And in, my, yeah. in myself, even though I didn't like, I didn't know that I was advocating for me, I was still just like, this doesn't work. Like this has to be a part of this. There has to be a way for this to be a part of this. And, um, can I, can I ask you something though? Yes. In, in that, um, observation, that reflection, like you're trying to figure this out, how does this, how do these two things go together? Um, was it detached from you in the sense of it's about them or was there any part of that, that you were, you were already starting to say, what if this was me? Mm -hmm. Was there anything internal about that yet? No, not yet. This was entirely about other people. Um, because mm. because for like, and this this happens to a lot of us who were like um, abused in, in the church by, by these kind of uh, spiritual laws and right. spiritual abuse is mm-hmm. you don't really see it when it's happening to you. So I didn't really, I didn't really even consider thinking about myself until my friend told me about them because it was, I was like, it has to be for a cause. (laughs) It has to be like a safe way to express this. And so I was like, I'm going to become an ally. (laughs) Like I, I like, I needed this Avenue not, and not to dismiss anyone who's an ally, who's, you know, straight. I get it. Um, but for me, it was like, uh, it was a way for me to be like, to, to, you know, die on a hill, like to, to be a martyr, like essentially like what mm-hmm. I was taught to do is right. be, be a soldier for love, you know? Um, so like, <laughs> like all of this, like, um, programming that I had around needing to be the savior, you know, um, kind of allowed me this moment to be like, I'm going to campaign for this. This is important. And then in that, I was like, but what if, what if it's me? And then it went, when somebody close to me said that, I was like, that feels close enough to me to feel safe to be me. Mm. And then after that, I was like a couple years after that, I was just like, I'm like open to whatever. Like, as soon as I allowed myself to be like, this could be me. I was like, then I can be anything. (laughs) Yeah. Then I will not, then I will not limit what, what I can be and what is possible for me. Um, so what became possible for you? What, what emerged from that moment of, 
I think that's me. Yeah. Um, so there's like something that was happening along with these moments, which is that my brother and I decided to uh, go dancing on New Year's. And I think it was 2014. And I had never been to a club in my life. Um, I accidentally drank sake in Hawaii. But other than that, I had not had alcohol. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> My my enthusiastic self in 19 in college was like, give me that and drank some. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, but I uh, we decided that we were going to go dance. And so the, the dancing again, back to getting like back to really mm-hmm. embodying joy. I just I found myself in in the dance floor. And and it's so funny because like my brother and I are sober, like in this basement raging nightclub. And just like, we're having the best time. Like just literally like dancing, like kids would like we had uncovered a part of ourselves that had been repressed. And we're just like, we can dance. Like we can just, we can just like have joy. And It it wasn't, you know, like people talk about going through a partying phase. Like it was not a party phase. I still go out and dance for joy. Like this is just something that for me was like, I had been kept from joy and joy awoken in me and was like, I can have joy in my body. And just like, just like the hula and sensuality, I was like, I can have this in my physical being. So what became possible for me was, was anything <laughs> because when I was connected to myself and allowing myself to be sensual and to have joy, my life became about what is possible for me and not what I was against anymore. Mm. And this, this like limitlessness came into me, like now we can do the things like, which is terrifying. And I, I will say it's been like a journey of like, you know, going from like leaving black and white thinking has been a much longer journey than those moments and still crops up in me. But I think those years, like specifically of being like, I can have joy in my body and I could have sensuality in my body was an incredibly pivotal beginning to if I can be me and embody and connect to my body and all that is me in this present moment, then I can actually, I can actually be me apart from what I was told I had to be. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and I'm thinking that in order to come to those spaces of allowing joy into your body, allowing sensuality to be a part of the feelings that you had, um, it's it's only a positive experience for you if you are able to leave shame behind, because these are areas in which there is from the evangelical um, experience is a very sh- it's very loaded with shame and guilt yes. and. Um, expectations so so for you I'm thinking if I were in your shoes this is what I would be struggling with Mm -hmm. is that yes I feel joy but am I allowed to Uh, um should I feel bad 
for feeling joy? Mm. Was that at all your experience? And if so, what did you do with that? That's that's such a great question. Um, I you ask such great questions. Um, yes. So for me, joy was not was not as hard. Um, feeling joy in my body was then something that I, because my mind is is fucking amazing at doing yeah. at doing loophole gymnastics to make something make <laughs> right? sense. You know what I mean? You, right. You no, we're this. wired that way. Yes. No. So I, I, I can't, I can't tell you, I, I get caught in that over and over again on things that aren't even important. I'm like, no, Jess, this doesn't have, you don't have to do you this. You don't have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I re- I really needed that skill for these, uh, for these moments. I, um, I needed, uh, so, so what happened was like, I wanted to feel joy. I had, I started to experience joy in this way. So I found a church community that was like much more cool with joy, Mm. (laughs) much more cool with like dancing and moving and like Mm -hmm. those kind of experiences. And I also just, um, allowed that to be, I allowed my view of God to shift. So there's this moment in El Salvador, my brother and I went, um, we took a trip down there just for fun. And, um, uh, I believe it was on a, it was on a rooftop terrace. Nathan, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> we had, we got like a bottle of wine and like some street fruit and we're like sitting on the, the, um, rooftop terrace. And then we just started listening to, I believe it at the time it was John Mark McMillan and we're dancing mm-hmm. around and, I, I prayed and I was like, God, break down the walls around what I know of you and show me your real self. Because mm-hmm. I had spent the week with people from all different backgrounds who were good. And it no longer made sense to me to have yeah. a God that only was in certain people. Um, so I thought God must be good, pure good, which means that God must also have joy. So we danced on the rooftop that night. So for me, joy was not actually like an issue in, in shame that that was deep in, in sensuality and sexuality for me. Mm. Um, and that, that journey was, has been an extremely like a much longer journey for me. I believe it was only like two years ago that I realized that my thoughts were actually not being monitored in any way. And that it was, a, it was like, I was like, oh, I can think about sex, like, and nobody's going to know, you know what I mean? Because like my whole life yeah. I had been like monitoring, like someone knows when I think about something. Yeah. So yep. it, it was just like, like this, oh, like I actually have, like the space is actually mine, like to inhabit mm. and no one else is in here. So um, allowing myself freedom and like sexual expression and um, desire is like, I mean, it's still ongoing, but it's, it's been a much greater journey because it was not possible for me until I entirely left that system. Yeah. It just, it just wasn't. And then I had to, I had to move in a space of not believing in God at all or anything divine for a while in order Mm -hmm. to embrace my like natural sexuality and sensuality. And then after that was like able to kind of move back into spirituality in some sense, but like, because the shame in that system was so great for me, yeah, it wasn't even it for me, it wasn't even possible for me to experience like 
sex without shame in my own heterosexual marriage. I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. I'm queer, so it's not, but like, you know what I mean? Like from the out- right. outside, it's like, this should be the time that you don't feel shame. And that wasn't even possible for me. I I would totally uh, relate to you on that. And I think uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with the book called Hashtag Church Two. Oh. And I don't know if you've read that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. It's, it's uh, speaking a language that I didn't have words for. Mm. Um, uh, regarding um, purity culture and how um, it has affected us, particularly American culture, but as evangelicals. And um, one of the things, my husband and I actually did a podcast on this, and I think in us talking it out, we kind of realized this about walking into our marriage out of purity culture, was that there was suddenly this moment where you exchange these rings on the altar and all of a sudden everything that was shameful is now worship or (laughs) whatever. It was like this is supposed to all suddenly be good and you're supposed to suddenly understand this complexity that had always been bad and always had been shameful. Mm -hmm. And, um, And how much, how, how many years um, of working and wrestling through shame around sexuality inside my marriage, a heterosexual marriage, like all I checked all the boxes that I was supposed to, and yet why am I still experiencing shame somewhere in this? And exactly what is it around? Um, and I think for me, it was more around the identity of me being a sexual being than actually sex itself. Mm, yes. That's a so, wonderful to, distinction. So yeah. to be able to see myself as, I mean, you go from hold, particularly as women, I'll only speak from the side of women, um, but you go from saying, I am the one who causes men to stumble. I am the one who <laughs> can provoke. So I need to have this like cloak of purity on all the time. Then you go into marriage and there's, Yes, I'm supposed to have this sexual relationship with my husband, but at the same time, I'm supposed to be some kind of pure wife in the midst of the church culture. Like there's still this sense of um, purity that has to be held up that is wrapped around that um, that uh, identity of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so if you're dressing too provocatively – as a married woman, that's as bad as it was when I was not married. Like, I, I can't win. I can't understand this part of me um, without shame. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the great injustice of the purity culture. Well, it's not the great injustice. There's too many things in there. But um, <laughs> I, I get you. <laughs> but the, the idea that there is this whole part of me that I was a stranger to, mm. and to come and a- awaken, I hear you using that word often, awaken to knowing who you are. Mm. Um, did you like what you found? Mm. Like, was that, was that a space where you're like, no, this is, this is a good space for me to be in? Mm. Yeah, this is such a good question. Um, yeah. Yes and no. So this came this came in phases. And um, when I was um, dating my boyfriend, I 
I, I gotta say, gotta say, I never felt bad about, about like what we did sexually. I internally, I felt Mm -hmm. external shame. Yeah. Like I was afraid other people would know. I would feel shame if somebody else knew I felt shame around him, but internally Mm. like by my, in my own head, I was just like, that was fucking fantastic. Like I was really happy with it. So it was really confusing to be with someone who was constantly shaming me for that. Wow. When I, yeah. when I got with my um, current partner, at, we had a lot more of a like looser view around like what was acceptable for like right. in relationship before you got married. Um, so we experimented sexually and um, it was so amazing because for me, it felt incredibly safe and Mm. um and like it was I don't know like it was just like a safe thing to explore like he just never shamed me for anything and so you had the experience then of saying just within myself this is amazing this feels wonderful on top of now having a safe environment for that feeling to exist in that had to be beautiful. Yes, I, I will say the the one thing that um, that my body protested for a while was um, was that I had vaginismus, like was penetration, because mm-hmm. um, because of purity culture and like all the stigma around that, I had um, I had pain during sex for a while mm-hmm. because I just didn't I didn't know how to connect to that part of myself specific you know it's we it's weird like we like penetration was considered like the end all be all and like we were talked to specifically about that so for some reason for me that was like the thing that my body was like you will die and shame like in shame if you if you do this so long after I was like exploring sexually with um my current partner I like experiencing that was just like my body is like you need healing here. Like Mm. you, there's more work we need to do around shame that is beyond your current circumstance and needs to go deeper. So from, Mm. for that, for me, it's been a journey of doing like deeper trauma work and um, just like, I don't know, like exploring my whole sexuality. Like for me, um, dating a woman really helped open up this part of me that I hadn't, um, that I hadn't been okay with and doing that allowed me to like connect to like a fuller part of who I am. And, mm. um, I don't know. It, a lot of people talk about like, you know, you can do exercises and different things for me. It was just like connecting with myself as a whole person and doing trauma therapy and really working through like being okay with myself as a whole, not even specifically sexually but like as a whole person who I am in every way is okay is what really Mm. like kind of led me to feeling safe and feeling comfortable so again your body was telling you a story you needed to hear yes yes again just like hey honey (laughs) slow down (laughs) yeah yeah wow I don't think that that is an unusual story 
except that we don't hear many women talking about it. Yeah. Um, because I think it's like you said, it's just loaded with all kinds of misunderstandings about un- about understanding our own bodies. Mm. Um, is that something that you you share within your work? Is is this whole body um, healing? Yeah, it is. I mean, in in working with individual clients, for sure. I don't think I've talked specifically about vaginismus publicly. Um, well, you have now. Yes, I have now. <laughs> I mean, like on my platform, because um, because as it is something that touches on like medicine and like something that is like an actual something people get therapy for. Um, yeah, I don't have like a way of healing this that I can promote ethically or mm, in, gotcha in, in integrity. However, um, I have shared with a lot of people that that is something that I've gone through because so many people that I've talked to have said Mm -hmm. me too. Like, that's just a huge part of like, you're like, you are so, and I, I, I feel like vaginismus is the embodiment of, of shame on those, gosh, those socialized as women. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is an embodiment of something. It is, it is a outward expression of something that has happened is happening internally and has happened. Um, so I think when I first experienced that, I felt a lot of shame, like, like, you know, you're supposed to flip the switch. You're supposed to be whatever. Um, and that didn't happen for me. I, my body was like, we've been hurt and this is something we need to look at and care for. Um, and until I did that, it was like, it's like, this isn't going to work if you are just forcing yourself to do something because that is not how, that is not how we work. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just not. And um, so, yeah, I, I do for sure talk to people about it because um, I know, I know it's very common and a lot of people, even physicians don't even know what that is. <laughs> you, you know, so I'm gonna, I'm just going to let you know that you sharing this part, this very personal, very intimate part of your story. Um, you say that, you know, I don't, I don't do this as a, a work or a healing that I can promote. But in talking about it, it brings the ability for women to heal. Yeah. And I say that because this was my experience when I first got married. Mm-hmm. So for months after getting married this was like consummating the marriage was a very difficult thing i went to doctors for it you know trying to understand what was wrong with me right and and what i'm right and so what i'm hearing from from you that's setting me free is that instead of having this conversation with my body that says what, why are you holding me back? What is wrong with you? I can have a conversation that says, no, you were trying to talk to me. You were trying to tell me a story here. And so this shame that I felt from purity culture walking into marriage and this inability to consummate a marriage, <laughs> like in the technical terms, were actually related. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're yeah. actually connected. And it meant more than I ever thought it did. Mm. And it didn't have to do with something being wrong with me. And it didn't have to do with something being wrong with my husband or something that we weren't doing right together. It was much deeper and far more systemic Mm. 
than I ever understood. So you sharing that with me now is is releasing me from a storyline that I've held on to for almost 27 years. Mm. So thank you yeah, for sharing that. Of course. I, th- I think like, again, I know you and I both deeply believe in story. <laughs> yes. Um, I, and I, I think specifically in talking about this, like, I think this, this issue is, is even bigger than sexuality in, in that it is, it is this idea that, um, that people are meant to be controlled instead of heard. And like my, my toddler teaches me things every day. Um, (laughs) And one of the things that she's teaching me lately is that when she is screaming about something, she needs to be heard. Yeah. It, it, It is not, it is not a thing to be solved or a, there's nothing wrong with her. You know, like we don't, we're not, we don't come up with shit out of nowhere. Like we, we are very, (laughs) we're human. And like I, the whole culture we were raised in with this idea that like, if something goes not according to this arbitrary plan, then something is wrong with us doesn't allow for any humanity in our treatment of ourselves, in our treatment of each other, in our treatment of our children. It's just a control mindset. We control Mm -hmm. and we punish, we control and we punish. And I think like this, this mindset, which I had a very similar response was just like, something is wrong with me comes from this idea that I'm not adding up to some arbitrary thing that I was told Mm -hmm. I needed to be. And so now I must shame myself or punish myself right. and that will solve the problem because that's how we were taught. That's a perfectly Absolutely. natural response from where we came from. We, we're doing exactly what we were taught to do. It's like, mm-hmm. it's only in like becoming aware of that and then being like, oh, there's gotta be another way to do this. Like yeah. maybe the mo- one of the most life-changing things for me um, has been learning self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And this this idea that you can actually meet yourself in your mistakes and meet yourself in the hard things that you're dealing with and care about yourself instead of punish or shame yourself. And it feels really strange at first, mm-hmm. but it just it just allows you to be human mm-hmm. and to be met even if someone else can't meet you there. Yeah. There was a there were some powerful things that happened um, for me working with Madison. Um, I did her awaken her soul. Um, and um, it's not a deconstruction uh, type of, uh, it's like a, it's weeks of work with her sure. in a group environment. And it's, it's not around faith and deconstruction, but it is ab- around, um, tearing down those storylines that are not supporting you and I'm I'm not giving I'm not using Madison's words for this but um but one of the things that Madison taught me in that time was new language mm-hmm. so there was there were words there were phrases there were um lack of labels there were new labels for things like that were going on in life that um that I went Wow, I 
I have been struggling with this roadblock for so long. And all it took was a new word that freed me out of that roadblock, right? And I think about that when you talk about your toddler. Mm -hmm. They come to you frustrated. They don't have the language. They don't have the words. So they do what they do know. They know how to exert sound. (laughs) They know how to move their body around and show us that something isn't working right. I need something. And once, once they get older and they have the words to do that, then they're able to come to us and say, hey, my toe hurts. You know, they actually have the words. And then it's not this frustrating experience because there's actually language to support it. Mm. So when, when we've been in a container like you and I have experienced in evangelical Christianity, that container had its own language. And we were experiencing things that that container didn't have language for. So So when we get to open up that box and step out of it and pull in and grab these new words, these, like you said, uh, experiencing psychology around things that you'd never experienced it around before, you'd never heard these things, Mm -hmm. it gives um, understanding to something that, hey, no, this is actually a thing. This isn't just me having a problem with having sex when I first get married. No, there's actually a thing around this, Mm -hmm. and there's actually a way through it. Rather than me just being frustrated with who I was, I can actually find a way through. So when you talk about saying self-compassion, being present within it, allowing the new words to come in, allowing the new context to come in, actually gives you the way out yeah it gives you the freedom right yeah and like and what is what is all of this work other than learning like with with our kids and grandkids like yeah we're we're teaching them and ourselves at the same time to to (laughs) be with life that's Mm. it like we're not we're not trying to like make them better or like fix them or fix ourselves anymore the goal is really like because you you gain the language just to express your pain and sometimes nothing can be done about it yeah but we learn to be with it so that we can allow it to move so that we can move on Mm -hmm. and be with the joy that then presents itself yeah to be able to dance it out when there's not another answer right yes yes (laughs) nightclub or your kitchen you pick (laughs) yeah i know it's um moving that moving the energy to new spaces to uh give it permission to exist Mm -hmm. and then to give it space to go where it needs to go Mm -hmm. and i think that when we allow for that new um the new perspectives we allow ourselves more opportunity to be fully present um fully embodied like you were talking about where we are right here right now i'm all in Mm -hmm. um yeah and it changes not just how we have a relationship with ourselves but how we have relationships with other people um we're not looking for the what one of us gets out of some out of this rather than we're no we're just here right now Mm -hmm. what is here yeah such a 
such a foreign concept coming out of evangelical Christianity because everything is about what happens when I die. Yeah, or about some or about a hidden meaning or like what you need right. to fix the lesson. And like yeah. I I definitely like especially in like learning about spirituality and like all the different aspects of spirituality, like there is some incredible beauty to looking for lessons mm. and things when life is hard and there are like, there are quite a few teachings of Jesus that I still think are like, mm-hmm. like really relevant and um, mostly around like loving other people and, and caring about social justice. And like those, those aspects mm-hmm. of this are like looking for meaning can be a beautiful thing and it's up to you. And mm-hmm. like, we, we like, we make the meaning of things we give meaning to life. And that, that is a beautiful, incredible Mm -hmm. thing to be sovereign in yourself, to know there is deeper meaning here. And there doesn't have to be for you to be like good enough to just be here. Like, what if it's, what if being here is just good enough and you can, and you can trust (laughs) and you can trust that whatever is going to like, whatever you need to know is going to come up for you. You know, like instead of having to look for all the flaws, look for all the problems, look for things to fix. What if you solving the code? Yes. What if you just trusted yourself to be? Oh my gosh! To be like, but it'll come up. But oh, I know. I mean, this is this is so loaded because the (laughs) the one thing that I had that was the big uh, shift for me out of evangelical Christianity and into the spirituality that I have now was. Um, this intuition, this trust of myself was always going to be evil. It was always going to be um, my sin nature, that I couldn't trust me. I needed to trust God, right? Yeah. So so stepping into, uh, hey, but you know what? The last time I trusted myself, it actually worked. So what does that mean, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and really coming to this place of saying, but when I actually listen to what my my body is saying, what my soul is speaking, um, I can trust that. Mm-hmm. I my my being wants good for me. It doesn't actually want evil for me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I can trust that, right? So I'm curious, kind of full circle here, what is spirituality to you now? Oh, such a good question. Uh, to, to me, it's ever evolving, but it is, it is about finding ways to be with myself. So it's, it's kind of exactly what I just expressed. It's like the whole, Mm -hmm. the whole of spirituality, like any work and healing that I do on myself and anything that I'm like going towards in pursuit of knowledge of and learning about myself is all to find a way to be with what is. So mm. I, I like, I mean, enlightenment, I guess, is what some people call it. But I really, my my aim and my spiritual practices, which include um, meditation, yoga, journaling, um, mindfulness, all are for the purpose of, of finding a way to be with what is whether that's a really positive and beautiful thing or a really challenging thing. And self-compassion is another one of those practices, like just the aim of Mm. being with what is. 
And you also mentioned something about yourself as a child with nature. Mm-hmm. How does that play into life as an adult? I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking to myself, like, wait, there's one more being in nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was really little, I was kind of obsessed with the story of Pocahontas. Um, mm. I did not realize how culturally appropriative it was for me to dress like Pocahontas for Halloween. So I did that yeah, every this, year. Yeah. Um, but uh, really, for me, what what my connection to that story was about was the fact that she talked to trees and animals. And mm. um, I, I was deeply touched that she had a tree that she went to and gained wisdom from and that the tree then told her she could trust herself. Um, mm. so I, I really, really deeply connected with that. And then we went to see the movie. My mom took me to see the movie and then she talked about how evil it was afterwards, right. which really, really, right. I, you know, bless her. She wanted to protect me. She loves me. Um, but it was very, it was very hurtful to me because I had felt lit up by that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of saw that as a very dangerous thing afterwards for a long time, yeah. but, um, in the past, my, my mom also loves being outside. So granted, she was not trying to cut me out from the outdoors. She just wanted to make sure that I didn't go to hell because she's a good right. mom. She loves me. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, for me, that has uh, looked like coming back to nature, especially within the past like five or so years, just hiking and being outside alone. And um, also everything textured like I I try especially in this past year maybe being in COVID and being in my house a lot I've tried to bring in as many elements of nature as I can into my Mm. home textures like anything that feels like natural elements is Mm. I just feel um I feel the energy of it around me and it feels um grounding for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's of the earth (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any labels that you um, connect with around spirituality? There are a lot of things out there. There's humanist, there's agnostic, there's mystic, there's like, there's so many different things. And I'm just curious if there's anything that you connect with, or are you really good with not having any of those? I, I don't, I don't find the use in it at this point because, um, because I feel like it's going to keep changing and, Mm -hmm. and that's great to me. Like, I guess if I was going to like, I I say this and I don't even know what these words mean, but like, I would say like natural mystic is what I've said before, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what that means. I just, I just pick the word natural and I think mystic, like magical. And like, I feel like there's there's like an energy and a like greater cosmos and like this i believe that all humans are connected on some level energetically Mm -hmm. that everything we do affects each other um but i i don't really like talking about labels to me like especially in from years of debating theology yes is is literally the most boring thing it's like that it's like we can debate labels or we can discuss what what you think because what you think is going to be individual (laughs) and human and that's where the goodness is yeah and I think uh one one beautiful thing that has come from a deconstruction for me has been not needing to arrive anywhere yeah 
um, and being um, okay with saying, I could, I could change how I think or feel about this tomorrow, and that's okay. It's not wrong. It's not unwavering. It's not, you know, this is part of my process of spirituality. And I tend to see spirituality as something that is very fluid, much like wind or waves, where it's it's in motion, um, and it may not land in the same space again. So if that's the case, then I'm really okay with my spirituality evolving and rolling and mm-hmm. moving and um, expanding um, so that that I understand a fuller picture of myself, but also of humanity in general. Mm-hmm. I, I get to take this box away from around me that I was in. Mm-hmm. I actually get to see more humans and mm-hmm. really see them, mm-hmm. like see who they are. And I couldn't do that inside the box. All I could see was where everyone was deficient. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. this is uh, this kind of spirituality opens the door to, I think, to connecting with other humans at a much deeper level, which is like you and I talked about before we got on this recording. This is the ultimate spirituality yeah. is when we connect with each other and we connect back to ourselves. So there's, there's this moment uh, I want to share this story um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's like, it's when this occurred to me for the first time and it was, it was many years before I ended up deconstructing in any way, but I was in Bible college with some very close friends of mine and we were, we like went for a drive. This is in Hawaii. Cause I lived in Hawaii off and on for about five years. So mm-hmm. I was in Bible college there and we went for a drive. It was like five of us. And then we like, we stopped somewhere and like lay down on the pavement, our, all our heads together in this circle. And we're looking up at the stars. And my friend said like something that made absolutely no sense to me. And she said like that she would be so like, she would be perfectly happy if she, it was just her and God there, like if none of us were there. And, oh. and, and like, and my other friend who was then my boyfriend later on was just like, yeah, like I totally get that. They were all resonating with this. And I thought this experience would be nothing without these people. And, and for yeah. me, it was just like, it was this moment where I was like, I don't resonate with that. Like yeah. I, I was happy being with myself, much happier being with myself. Now I love being alone. And it wasn't that I like, didn't love being alone then it was more just like, the magic of what was happening in that moment was possible because of the energy that like we, the people were there. And I was like, how? Like, it feels like you just ruined it with like some spiritual platitude. Like this moment is good because of connection, yeah, because of resonance, because we were witnessing each other in this experience. It was literally the act of worship has has to be done. Yeah witnessed you know yeah yeah (laughs) I I so I so I so get you um (laughs) um you yes and I I took this trip to Africa it was an embodied running trip and um with um Two, two people I've had on my podcast, um, one is um, Carly. She's uh, the coach for um, the Public Run Club. Okay. And she was the one who facilitated it. And it was also with Hillary McBride. Oh, okay. Where are and, Africa? Uh, we went to Tanzania okay. to Kilimanjaro. Okay. And we um, 
there were uh, six of us all together. And I think back on that trip, um, it had, you know, it was just amazing on so many levels. But there were times, there was this time where we were sitting inside um, the Jeep on one of the safaris that we went on. And there was this leopard up in a tree and we were right below it. Like we could hear it breathing. Hmm. And the rain was coming down and we just were all quiet. We were just in this moment together of just staring at this leopard. Hmm. And it was such a magical moment. And it I know without a doubt it would not have been the same if I'd been there by myself. Hmm. That there was something about us in that together, like you said, we are all bearing witness to this moment yeah. that we all walk away and go, that was a magical soul moment. Yeah. And and I think I don't want, I like alone too. Yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate it. I, um, I'm too much in my head most of the time. So um, alone is sometimes a good place that other people would probably appreciate me being. But um, <laughs> But I really don't want a life that is absence of human connection because I think that's where the magic happens and that's where the mystery and the mystic and the um, the goosebumps and the all those things get to happen. Yeah, I, th- I really, I really deeply think it's both and. And I think the there was there was this, um, like you were saying, you deeply get to see people now. Um, within mm-hmm. evangelicalism, there is this, at least in the sect that I was in, was this concept that you like, you should not need anyone but God. You should yeah. not need anyone but this source to survive. And other people should be able to go in and out of your life and, you know, be off on the mission field and just take off. And you should be okay yeah. with that because they're in service of God. Like you shouldn't attached to people and like I get I get like um the idea of non-attachment and not like holding on to and clinging to people but it created for me and I know for a lot of people it created this like disconnect of like I don't want to get too close to you and I don't want to be vulnerable with you because people are so transient and I'm not supposed to love you more than God so like (laughs) without that element there I feel like now I can experience like worship with whatever divine energy there is when I'm by myself and with people and they are very Mm -hmm. different experiences absolutely because you're like the people you're with especially if you love them and have relationship with them are what makes those experiences you can Mm -hmm. it cannot be the same without them because they are there and they are precious and incredible beings like you in this moment, making this specific thing happen. It's yeah. like they're, they're, people's presence and energy is so valuable. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I realized that in the same way until I allowed myself to really see people as people and not a part of a system mm-hmm. to, be, to gain something or to do something, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could we could we could seriously uh talk forever, but I I do want to let people know 
how they can find you, what you're working on right now, because you do have a podcast and you have a business. And and what is it that you do that you get to connect with other people? What are you what do you want to share about your work? Yeah, absolutely. So um I am a life embodiment coach, intuition coach. Um basically I just love to work one-on-one with people. It's um the best the best way my energy and attention is useful. I love to give people the opportunity to be seen. Um, Mm. my, my goal is to support incredible, beautiful, talented people who are wise beyond anything that they know, helping them see their own wisdom to Mm. find the direction they want to go. So mostly I work with people who have left religion, women and non-binary folk who are wanting to kind of move out of a, out of a phase of deconstruction to a certain extent and stop being about focusing on where they've left and start looking at where they want to go and what they want to build with their lives. So working on like creating a foundation, discovering your values, um, discovering what you want to do with work or with your life, um, what your purpose is, what your big next step is. I know a purpose changes over the course of your life, but I feel like the next Mm -hmm. step is pretty critical. So really just, um, really just, supporting people to see their own wisdom and their own desires and to pursue that. I like to talk about it like a rope bridge over a canyon to get to the other side. Like Mm -hmm. as a coach, I can't cross this for you. I can't even tell you what's on the other side, but I can help you discover where, like where you want to cross because discover what you want on that other side Mm -hmm. and talk you through walking over that bridge. So support along the way, because I mean, you might be able to do it yourself. Of course you can do it yourself. You can do fucking anything because you're amazing. And (laughs) you can cross so many more bridges when you have someone beside you saying you've got this and helping hand you tools and remind you of your own wisdom and ask you questions along the way that help you move that direction with confidence. So that's what I do. And uh, I just changed the name of my podcast. It's Bitches, Witches, and Queers now. Um, Basically, the focus is uh, practical spirituality for the naturally curious. So I will be Uh. interviewing people as well on um, spirituality and on their journeys and hearing stories also. Um, It is slightly on hold at the moment because I have been redoing my website. Um, But I am working on a three-step video that will be out within the next few weeks. Um, it's three little videos on, uh, it's called date me. (laughs) Um, Mm. so it's, uh, three days of dating yourself to figure out what your next step is. So it's about connecting with your body to discover what it is that you want to do next, make your next decision, et cetera. Oh, this sounds so beautiful. Thank you. So beautiful. (laughs) I I am so I'm so glad you found me. One I'm I'm interested in your work and what you're going to do. So now I have a uh, a new podcast that I can listen to and um and watch your work and see how it unfolds and all of that. Um, but I also just love um being able to connect on conversation and um and be challenged by. Uh, new thought and new stories and 
um, new self discoveries, um, they gr- they grow me, and so I'm so um, I feel privileged that you could come on here and share your story with me um, and with my listeners, um, because I know that that is that's precious. It's valuable. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I hope that we can uh, keep crossing paths. Um, I I think that we have a lot more conversations to be had. That's for yes, sure. I can definitely see that. And thank you so much. It's been an honor to be interviewed. You are actually the first person who has interviewed me Ooh. ever. <laughs> so thank <Yay>. you. <laughs> it's been it's been so wonderful to connect with you. And I agree. We have so many more conversations to have. Yeah, we do. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to get all of your info. Um, I think you've given it um, to me, but um, any updates that you have. And when we release this podcast, I'm going to put your contact info in the show notes so people can find you, um, hear you. Um, Is your podcast up right now or completely down? It is up. Okay. Yeah. I've got about 15 or so episodes still on there. I just, uh, I'll be releasing some new ones within the next month or so. Wonderful. Okay. So we have time to catch up before you release new ones. (laughs) Um, So yeah, well, this was amazing. And, um, and thank you for sharing with me and being on the connected podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.